0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Will Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 85. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hello.
1: What's
0: up, and dude? the it's... goal's outside of Caitlin's window. Yeah.
1: Sorry.
2: <laughs> They're going off.
1: We have a baby gull on our roof, and it's like getting ready to fledge, but its parents are still very protective. So anytime someone walks by our house, they start freaking out. Like when I came in the house this afternoon, they were like all squawking at me.
2: I'd freak out So that's
1: you. part of my ambiance for <laughs> the background sounds.
0: You guys, I love how official we look with our Well Nerds podcast the banners behind us. Does it looks they look cool. good?
1: Right. No, really. Looks pretty cool. You get a
0: podcast. No, you get a podcast. <laughs> so what's the deal, you guys? We're gonna hit it with some uh sightings. Uh yeah uh caitlin why don't you go first yours are probably the longest
1: i saw a minky whale breach
2: yeah dude what the heck was that did you get any photos
1: uh some really crappy ones
2: i saw a video right
1: yeah from a passenger or something yep yeah i shared it on the cape and whale watch story the day that it happened so it was the one day this summer that i've like worked as naturalist and the weather was awful awful um but we started headed north up to an area where we'd been watching whales that wasn't that far away. And before we got there, we saw this like little thing jump. And there's also been a lot of really big tuna. So we were like, what was that? Was that a fish? Was that a whale? Was that what was that?
2: Toonie boys.
1: So and we'd also seen basking sharks breach earlier this season, but we haven't seen a basking shark for a while. So anyways, so we keep going. We're like, I think it's a whale. And then I did it a third time. I was like, it's definitely a minke whale. And so I was like trying to grab my camera, grab the microphone, tell the people and it's raining and it's rough. And so I'm like trying to also not have the people run on the deck. And um, yeah, it breached like eight times. Damn. The one really good one by the boat. I have some really bad out of focus photos, out of frame photos, but you can tell it's minky whale.
2: I feel
0: like that makes sense for a minky whale. Like minky whales, when they breach, I feel like that's their thing is like they just because they do it so um,
1: infrequently.
0: Yeah, that like when yeah. they do it, it's like they better just hit it, you know, eight times yeah. in a row. Well, we had people that they can do it.
1: I don't know if I ever talked about it on the sightings earlier this season. We had a minky whale breach a couple times as well. I kind of think we might have startled it on accident. We were just cruising looking for whales and we didn't see it. And then all of a sudden it breached like 70 yards off the front of the boat and it breached three times. And then it like, I don't know, like got the zoomies or something. It started porpoising in a circle for like 10 minutes. And we just sat there and we're like, what is happening?
0: I I believe that. I think that that's exactly what happened because one time um, in Newport beach, it's like my first ever breaching Minky. And we were headed to a humpback, which is also like our first ever humpback in Newport at the time. (laughs) And um the minky popped up in front of like in between us and that humpback and it just launched i think we startled it to be honest
1: but then like it like i don't know it like zipped around near the boat for like 10 minutes porpoising and i was like this is really weird i don't understand what's happening and then it calmed down and just chilled out but anyway so we saw breaching minky whale and then as we were leaving the breaching minky whale a humpback whale breached and then two fin whales popped up so overall even though it was crappy weather it was a pretty good trip
2: did the fin whales breach?
1: No, the fin whales are just cruising.
2: Oh, and you're not even that cool.
1: I know. This is next Whoa, on my list seeing a fin dude. whale breach. Um, but yeah, other At- than that, we've seen a few. We had two sightings, I think, of Atlantic whiteside dolphins and lots of humpback whales.
0: It does kind of, you were kind of seeing them a lot, though, right? The Atlantic whitesides in the spring. Yeah. Off, yeah. Slow down.
1: That's normal. In the spring, they're around a lot. And then in the, um, in the summer, they're not so common.
0: Have you gone and done bummer. any shore-based whale watching and seen some of the right whales or no? Uh,
1: they're all past us now up in Canada. Okay. They're up in like the Gulf of St. Lawrence and stuff. They're gone. So yeah, mostly Thanks. just humpbacks for us. it has been good.
0: Nice. And what about you, Adam? I know you've had some, you had a crazy breacher day.
2: Had a crazy beach day. Whoa, dude, did, your, did your goal turn into a car? What's going on out there?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'll just put it on mute. There's a car rolling down the street with <laughs> the car alarm going. I don't know how that even happened. <laughs> Maybe someone stole it, because somehow started it. <laughs> so
2: Adam, uh, yeah, you had
0: some breachers and some good stuff. What's going on over there? The it's Santa been good.
2: Right yeah, we, we've had humpbacks. I think we're going on five months straight now with humpback sightings. We started in March, and I, I don't think we have missed a single day. I remember we missed one day, but I think it was pretty crappy weather. So he really couldn't see that far, go out that far. Um, But yeah, it's been really good humpbacks. Uh, We had a crazy breacher the other day. He literally like, he would do the thing where it was like, you'd see him breaching in a distance and he would breach. And then he would come back up, peck slap for like a minute or two, tail fluke down, breach again, peck slap, tail fluke. So like, it was very, um, it It was very cyclical and it was patterned. So that was pretty cool um it's just it's always so interesting to me when you get away like that like how people think it's like an everyday thing and how quickly they get over it and like the whale breached like three times and people were inside ordering cheeseburgers and I'm like get get out go watch (laughs) this whale it's going bonkers
1: you should just run away from the galley and been like come with me
2: I literally (laughs) had to I had to shut it down and be like um no you guys are gonna watch this whale because this is awesome um, but he, he was a good whale. Um, we've also had a whale that everybody in Southern California is obsessed with called Snowflake. Snowflake. And um, every time I've seen Snowflake, he has done absolutely nothing. And he's just swam, which is cool. That's what whales do. Whales being whales. Um, but like the past four days or three days, he's just been like breaching, tail throwing, um, feeding. He was lunch feeding the other day. He's just been going off. Um, so that's pretty cool and it's good to see whales that you recognize um but yeah just a bunch of humpbacks so super stoked on that although the weather's pretty bad the past couple of days and we'll continue to do so till sunday so that's not fun but
1: i saw a whale do a kind of a cool surface maneuver um what it's a humpback whale named spoon she was upside down so she's on her back and she's tail slapping then she put both her peck fins up out of the water while she was tail slapping
2: it's like straight up
1: like vertical out of the water it was Dude, so that'd weird
2: be the, that'd be <laughs> the that'd coolest be cool like shot. low angle shot like pec fins and tail like yeah. Oh,
1: yeah it was so weird i so i i live streamed on k whale Fan. watches uh instagram i don't know if she was still doing it by the time i went live but i did take a cell phone video of it i'll have to send it to you guys yeah it was like nutty let me i think i have it right here but um yeah, that was a new one. I was like, I've never seen a whale move like that before. But she had both peck fins up, sticking up out of the water. And then her tail so was cool. like also way high. Yeah. I mean, she's also huge. So, like, there's a it's lot incredible. of tail to put out of the water. But
2: it's incredible how maneuverable they are. It really mm-hmm. is. Humpbacks are just incredible. Um, oh, also, I want to say one more thing. If you guys want to do an eight hour whale watch in Santa Barbara through ACS, you can do that and coming out with me august 14th nice what chapter yeah, so is that ACSLA. um every year for whatever 20 years they've done that eight hour way watch except for last year because covid yeah um, so yeah if you guys want to do that dude. you can come out
0: Caitlin, when you zoom into that video you isn't that crazy looking in a tail <laughs> up that's crazy that's so cool dude what the that would be a that'd be such a cool shot Annie has
2: white pec fins, yeah yeah, course. she has
1: bright white pec fins. she's arguably the biggest humpback whale in the world. she's over sixty feet long.
2: How do you know that?
1: um there's actually two ways that it's been measured one she's photogrammetry yeah one but one get this she was sleeping at the surface so laid out so nicely and not moving that uh some researchers literally took a tape measure and measured her in while she was laying in the water. <laughs> And then they confirmed their measurement with a drone. And she's like yeah. somewhere between 62 and 64 feet long. Can I tell you something? Wow. I
2: thought the biggest ever recorded was 63, wasn't it? Yeah, she's huge, dude.
1: When you see her flipper, Jeez. it's over 20 feet long. It's like a windmill turbine blade. It's nuts. Oh yeah.
0: my gosh. You guys, my boat is 20.4 feet. You're telling me. You're telling me this
1: whale is three times my my boat. Yeah, her flipper and her fluke are both the same length as your boat. That peck fin that
0: was under my boat the other day was easily like on one side of my boat, and then the whale was on the other.
2: <laughs> yeah. What? So you just think you have bigger whales than us over here? Huh? Is that it? She, is, does.
1: She is the biggest.
2: Dude, I've seen I've seen one big whale. We we have a, a whale that we know pretty well, Scarlet. I'm sure some of you guys know her, and she's like a big mama. Like she's whatever, like 30 years old. And we've seen, we've kept track of her, you know, throughout the years. And one time we caught her hanging out with these two other humpbacks, and these other humpbacks were like way bigger than her. So it was like, holy crap! Like what? you know
1: like, who I think it's gonna be close to that size when she's a very old lady, the, Fran.
2: Fran. Yeah, yeah. probably gonna say yeah. Fran's blue because she's massive. only like
1: 15 and she's huge. <laughs> Damn. Have
2: you seen Fran Adam? I haven't.
1: The day that we had the humpback whales breach because of the earthquake, her and that other whale that are breaching in our photos, she's half that whale's age. That's a male that was like just under 30 and she's 14 in that photo and she's like twice his size.
2: (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, whales are so ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Slater, you had a great time on the water no it's
2: been pretty bad i'm actually
0: recommending
1: Shut up. <laughs>
0: <down>. <laughs> i was just trying to look back in uh my first like lunch feeding day um i think it started on like the 10th so i don't know if we was, was there was, for it. It. Not, no, it? Not the, i'm sorry the 18th which yeah, was, was like there sunday it. it's hard oh, then i think it's yeah the that UK, was the day we had what day did you come adam on a friday
2: uh I don't even know what day it is today, so don't ask me.
0: You came last Friday, I think.
2: Sure. So, like Sounds a week good. ago.
0: Yeah, so it started like a, about five days before Adam came. It was like my first lunch feeding video was on a Sunday. Anyways, but we've had lunch feeding pretty much for like 11 days straight now. They've been seeing it like consistently on every trip. Um, yeah, so we just have been having lots of lunch feeding, humpbacks, um, some of them two or three or four whales at a time, some are mom and babies. There's been lots of mom and calf pairs around uh, kind of all over the bay. Like I know they've had some in Monterey and at the same time that we've had some up in like SoCal area or the Pajaro or even right near Moss Landing. Um, there's been this super little, it's like not, uh, not famous, but there's been a really active calf that has made quite a name in the Monterey uh, Bay right now. All the captains keep talking about them every day. Well, it's not a ham anymore. We just found out that, it's a girl. They were calling him fluke Skywalker, but it is now uh lady Skywalker, I guess. <laughs> um, Cause the calf flukes every time. Uh, so the calf is, is yeah, shows really well. And it also has breached like almost every time it's been seen. So yeah, it just humpback city right now. And there's also been a lot of blue whales. I had, I saw two blue whales, a mom and calf yesterday. Um, there's been blue whales, I think seen, seen almost, every day for the last like eight or nine days as well. So um, have
1: that, that blue whale mom calf pair been hanging out?
0: I don't know. You know, that is other, that, the same that, one like, we saw, I don't know because the one that we saw. Okay. So the, the thing is, is I flew my drone like a week ago over a mom and baby, but they like never came up at the same time, which was weird. And they were like, it was definitely one was a lot smaller than the other, but like, I don't even know if one of them was a cow calf. It was just like, they thought it was, but mm-hmm. no one ever got them side by side. Yeah. Which I feel like if it was a mom and calf, eventually out of one of the sequences, they would have kind of been next to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they were circling in the same area and coming up just a few minutes yeah. apart. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, for sure, yesterday we had a mom and calf. Uh, I'm not sure if they were the same one that Adam and I saw a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot. Um, I know they saw some up above Soquel. One of them had some sort of like, they uh, think some sort of like half moon shaped bite out of the side um they don't know what it's from it wasn't like on guess, the
1: side of the body or on the fluke
0: somewhere on the side of the body i don't know exactly where oh. i just heard them talking about it over the radio um oh. but it sounded like they don't think it was a cookie cutter shark because it wasn't like a circle it was like a weird shape i don't know mm. but i don't know what it could have been um yeah but yeah really good sightings blue whales humpbacks uh rizzo's white ties have been seen off off and on um mostly by i think the monterey people that have gone west you know and offshore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They ran into like you know, a couple dozen of them or something. Y'all. Yeah.
1: So if you want to go see whales, Slater has an exciting announcement.:
0: Yes, I am officially opening my boat to private trips, uh, one or two person trips, um, really good for photographers or, or whale enthusiasts. Um, yeah. and I'm so yeah. excited. It's it's star- getting, I'm, I'm getting all the bells opening- and whistles. Yeah, I'm officially opening uh, my my what's it called? What is that called? Calendar. My my yeah, my calendar. My books are officially open starting August fifth. So my boat's out of the water as of right now when we're recording this podcast. Getting a radar put on, and then it should be back this weekend. And I'm missing the water so much because it's like phenomenal weather. <laughs> and, and, and like the best weather day was the day that I took my boat out, of course. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: but yeah, it's been really really good. So.
1: So exciting stuff. Pretty and
0: awesome. then
1: if you want to go whale watching with all three of us. Yes,
0: this is real exciting.
1: Yeah, we're going to do Whale Nerds Weekend is October 14th, 15th, and 16th in Moss Landing, California. And tickets go on sale today, the day that you're listening to this podcast, which is July 30th or any time after that. So it's on the thewhalenerds.com. You can book on our fair harbor. So the book button that floats at the top of the menu bar, or you can go to the trips page. And see the calendar there you just have to click into october for the availability and it's listed on october 14th on the calendar but it goes all three days so we're super excited gonna go whale watching with blue ocean whale watch three trips six hours each we're gonna do uh like a social event and dinner on thursday night we're gonna do a science lecture with john ryan and will ostrick from Mbari. They're going to talk about soundscapes in Monterey Bay. And then we'll do like a little send off on Saturday and then do a sunset whale watch. So be fun stuff. Come hang out with us. It's Come actually like
0: a whale watcher's dream trip for Monterey <laughs> Bay.
2: It is. And Especially in, in October yeah. when like every October is just like phenomenal. I love October the, whale watching. The lighting is the best. Yeah, October whale watching. It's on, like, honestly, honestly like whale watching anywhere is like Fire Flames Fuego. It, it,
0: Caitlin, it's because of the like the weather on the coast and inland are kind of evening out, right?
1: Yeah. So there's not there's usually not as much fog. You typically get sun in the late morning, Um, get really nice sunrises. So the way we have the three trips laid out, we're going to do the first day will be a sunrise trip. The second day will be kind of more of like a normal um, early morning to mid afternoon trip. And then the third trip will be a afternoon departure for sunset. So you'll get all three times a day um, to watch whales and to photograph. And um, if you decide, so you'll be, it'll be up to you to decide where you want to stay for hotel. But if you stay around Moss Landing, or if you want to just hang out before or after the trips, it's also a great place to shoot photos for uh, birds, for otters, for seals, for sea lions. Um, You can go walk around the Elkhorn Slough. And so it's a really nice place to kind of um, explore off the boat as well not just on the boat
0: yep so, i'm super stoked we should add that to like the thing that like recommendations for off the water like jetty road you know what i mean things mm-hmm. that they can go yeah see.
1: yeah we have um we'll have some like tips and things listed on the the item description and also on your email confirmation but if you have any questions about booking the trip definitely email us at whalenerds at gmail.com And we'll be happy to send you any um, information that you might need to help you decide to book the trip. But we're very excited to have our first event as whale nerds. First excited.
0: Yeah. This is our first one of many.
1: And how many? It's it's we're limiting it to
0: twenty-five. Twenty five people. Yep. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's gonna be so fun. If you guys have ever wanted to hear me scream like a little girl on a boat, you can hear
1: it live in person. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> <It's so true. laughs>
0: dude we will have oh i can't wait if we have lunch feeding at sunset i'll cry
2: in front of. dude remember last october last or uh i guess it was probably two years ago now we had that you had your eight hour whale watch yeah in october that was an awesome and there trip. was there's those three lunch feeders like right at sunset it was, like, perfect oh, lighting man.
1: i'll cry now i, I was in
2: i was down in the bathroom of kate's boat sitting on the sink
1: yeah you guys can you can see the legendary bathroom that people take photos of (laughs) because we're gonna be going on the high spirit for all three of the six-hour trips so that'll be awesome super exciting all right so
0: let's get into the sad talk we have well
1: wait wait let's do one other not sad thing Thank you to those of you that have signed up for our email list. Um, we will be sending you an email update about the trip being open, all that jazz. Um, but then also we have two new people that started supporting us on Patreon. So thank you very much for that. We really, really, really appreciate that. Um, it's especially as we're starting to plan a trip. It's really helpful to have your monthly support on Patreon because that gives us some more flexibility to, to put together events like this. So we really appreciate it.
0: I yeah, thank you guys so much y'all are the best <laughs> they already know it
1: okay so now the rest of the episode is the sad stuff podcast <laughs> I'm sorry I'm,
0: I'm going to leave Adam and I are out Caitlin good luck <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow you're going to ditch me and make me talk about the sad stuff
0: yeah you can cry alone
1: those of you that want to take a guess you have five seconds to guess what we're talking about it's vaquitos <laughs>
0: man i feel like we Uh, just went and saw that that movie together caitlin
1: sea of shadows we definitely saw that two years ago
0: (laughs) i know it just feels like two years ago when they were trying to save these
1: things (sighs) okay so let's back up because we haven't really talked about vaquitas a whole lot on the podcast so what the heck is a vaquita well a vaquita is a species of porpoise that is endemic to the upper gulf of california so we're talking about um between the mainland of Mexico and Baja on the Pacific side. Um, and that, yeah, the upper Gulf is like very, very, very tippy top the Northern end of that body of water. Now, uh, vaquitas are little, um, they're actually smaller than the average human. They're four to five feet long and they weigh between, um, I've heard estimates as low as 60 pounds, but usually between 100 and 120 pounds fully grown. So that's smaller than all three of us. Um, I mean, I know I'm short, but vaquitas are shorter, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're very. I mean, I think they're incredibly cute looking. And if you ask um, local people that live around the upper, upper Gulf of California, you'll actually hear some of them say they're fake because they they don't look real. Mm-hmm. They're like a harbor porpoise with a very pointy dorsal fin, uh, but then they have this black ring or like eyeliner around each eye, and then like this black. Uh, coloration on their lips it looks like black lipstick they really are like a true sea panda you thought killer whales looked like a panda no vaquitas look like a panda um and vaquita marina basically means like little cow of the sea and so that's how they got their uh name and they were actually only first described in 1958 i didn't know that until i started researching for this episode so um, they are the world's smallest cetacean. They are also the most endangered cetacean in the world. Um, so why did they come up on our, our list? Well, uh, there's some updated news about protections for vaquita, and also a new population estimate was published in April. So um, originally, the population of vaquitas was assessed. I think between Mexico and the United States, there was a, a partnership to do a 1997 population estimate. And they thought at the time that there was 567 vaquitos. October of 2019, which is the new uh, report that came out uh, this past spring, now puts that estimate at 10.
2: God, it's so quick, 20 years.
1: Yeah. So uh, they basically what they did with this report is in their October of 2019 field season, they tried to do as good of a ship-based effort as they could. Unfortunately, they were chasing animals that are very boat shy, but also having to dodge fishermen that were trying to actively fish while they were surveying. Um, so they had seven encounters with vaquita groups and they uh, have a 63% confidence that they documented three separate calves in that in those encounters. Um, in 2019? Mm-hmm, and that between the seven sightings, their population estimate, including those three calves, is 10 vaquitos. Wow.
2: So they obviously see pretty small, it must be small groups and they must've seen the same groups a couple of times. Like, mm-hmm. Were they able to photo ID yeah. them or like what?
1: Um, they said that uh, they had to do, they have a little explanation. Let's see here, to ship effort. Um, It was hard to approach insufficient numbers of high quality photographs um, were obtained. So they did not get enough good photos for photo identification, especially for the calves. So they held a workshop last year, including all the observers who observed, who participated in the field survey. They rehashed all the encounters and they did what's called an expert elicitation exercise. And that's how they came up with these numbers. So basically they just like hashed out every encounter to the best of everyone's memory and the data that they had. Sounds and came like up with a confidence a, number for their sightings.
2: Sounds like they need a Adam Ernst or Slaymore photography on the boat to get some freaking photo IDs of these things.
1: Well, well, I mean, I think it's just really, I mean, they did a really difficult. On
2: it. Yeah. It was yeah. Like, not good. I
1: mean, how, how many photos of a harbor porpoise do you have? i know one
2: getting flung in the air by a killer whale exactly exactly that's what I'm, and I'm these scared. are
1: even harder than harbor purpose to photograph and i saw our purpose other
0: way the other night and and it's funny because every time i see harbor purpose you're like this is the best time of the best i've ever seen it because like you never yeah. see them you know it always yeah. feels like it's the best
1: yep okay so how did we get here how did we end up in this dire situation of only 10 taquitos
2: stupidity
1: um, yeah, but also I would say greed.
2: Yeah, greed, negligence. Yeah.
1: Um, and a lot of it has to do with fisheries, but some of it also just has to do with the Gulf of California ecosystem as a whole, which
2: Very the much United
1: so. States has a big hand a in. big role, absolutely. Um, so the main, like, most dramatic reason for the decline of the vaquita is they are bycatch in gill net fisheries. Um, And the two main targets of those gillnet fisheries are a very endangered species of fish called a totoaba, and then also for shrimp. So if you do buy uh, shrimp, it's one thing to think about is how is that caught? Um, Is it caught by gillnets? Is it caught by something that has exclusion devices on it? Is it caught in some other method? Um, Because it may not be uh, very eco-friendly if it's caught with gillnets.
2: And shrimp, shrimp for the most part is pretty it's it's not very it's
1: not you know, very friendly. sustainable. No, and it's not very humanitarian friendly either. No, it's not. So um there are some issues with uh shrimp fisheries in the South Pacific and human rights violations and yep. um yeah, so do your research if you're gonna eat shrimp. Shrimp especially. farms. Yeah. Um so Gill nets is a, is a big threat for these, um, little vaquitas and the totoaba is like a whole nother element that makes it very high stakes. So totoaba is, they're technically the largest species in the drum family and they are very, a fairly long lived fish. They live 15 years and, um, they don't start reproducing till they're six or seven years old. They can be aquacultured, um, but they also live in the same areas of Akita and they have a very high dollar value. Their swim bladder has a very high dollar value um, in foreign markets, so especially in China. And so now the cartels have kind of caught on to this high dollar item and have kind of influenced the the fishing industry to continue to fish for these very endangered fish with methods that then also endanger vaquitas. So it's a really complicated issue. Um, Isn't it like but,
2: worth uh, more in weight than like cocaine or like gold or something like the, the swim bladder of the totoaba. Yeah. It's just super.
1: I don't have like a really good dollar value number on hand right now. It says like about 200 fish bladders could be sold for $3.6 at 2013 market price. It's insane. I don't know how big those bladders are. If there's a grading system, I don't know any of that. But like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So um, the Gulf of California, in part, is influenced by the Colorado River. So this is a U.S. to Mexico interface type issue. Um, and the Colorado River over the last several decades has had less and less and less freshwater input um, as we've diverted a lot of the water to uh, the Hoover and Glen dams and to our agriculture. And um, so this issues cross borders. I mean, the water doesn't know that there's a country line. Yeah. And um, so the, the habitat in general has also had some decline because the, the normal flow, of nutrients and fresh water into that area um, has been changed a lot
2: I've heard that like sometimes a year it's literally just like a trickle yeah down into the into the Gulf of California when you think about like you know historically that river has run you know even before human influence just thinking about the nutrients and minerals and everything that was deposited from that river into the Gulf of California. I'm sure it's astronomical. And then like, you know, like you said, like it starts in the it starts in Colorado, obviously. And then it goes through like Utah, Arizona, the border of Nevada and California. And and those are huge States that all take from it. Um, And then you go to the little bit of Mexico, like it's just kind of messed up that, that once, you know, grand river and it is still grand in some places, has been influenced so much by the U.S. that it just leaves Mexico in the dust.
1: Mm-hmm. Slater, what do you know about the Colorado River?
2: Look, dude, I know many things about the
0: Colorado River. I don't want to brag or anything, but
1: <laughs> before humans rerouted it, where did it used to go?
0: It used to go to the Monterey Bay. Okay, and humans I was didn't
1: actually rerouted. That's why well,
0: I I moved there a couple couple years after this happened, but. <laughs> Um, So I I didn't actually get to know the guy who rerouted it.
1: (laughs) So Slater and I got into a very silly and lively discussion about uh, how Monterey Bay was formed. And I told him that they think that um, in geologic history, the Colorado River actually used to flow out. um, And that's what formed Monterey Bay. What? and he was like why'd they that move it for real, Adam.
0: <laughs> look adam doesn't even believe it you hear you see his
2: mustache just wiggled he didn't believe it that doesn't make any sense
0: that's how it was adam that's probably pangea i mean does that make any sense
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it was that long ago.
0: yes <laughs> it's true in,
1: anyways heard, uh, it's it. It. kind of cool that that river has a uh, influenced two very incredible ocean habitats
0: I'm it sure also makes a, sense I, though
2: i'm sure there was a part of the colorado river that diverted to central Adam, california when morning, you look at
0: the monterey bay and you realize that it's bigger than the grand canyon in its deepest parts how do you think it formed huh you think it was the elkhorn definitely, slough what,
2: that definitely, grand not canyon by, also. definitely not some definitely not some lame colorado river
0: lame It's a massive river <laughs> runs
2: through like half of the U.S. Yeah, it does, but...
1: What is that famous Jacques Cousteau quote about... Doesn't he say the Sea of Cortez is like the world's aquarium or something? Like, it's such yeah. an incredible place. I forget. It really is. Sea of Cortez
2: or is it the Great Barrier Reef?
1: No, the Sea of Cortez. No, so so The other thing like,
2: that's... It is incredible.
0: Actually, so we're... I'll get, to, I'll get to the point of the...
2: I'll bring up my point
0: after you talk about the next thing
1: the news part yeah okay so why this is coming up um other than that new estimate that had come out that says pretty definitively they think there's 10 vaquitas um or less which we have talked about before because the scientists that are involved in that project have thrown that number out a few times so what happened this month in july is mexico has now lifted the fishing ban on the vaquita habitat um So what does that mean? So in the Northern Gulf of California, there was this like red zone where there's not supposed to be any fishing effort whatsoever. And they put that into place, um, quite a few years ago, the Mexican Navy and sea shepherd were working in partnership to enforce that boundary, I think starting in Mm -hmm. 2017. And they were also recovering, um, gill nets out of the fishing zone because, Um, at night or during area times when they were confident the area was not being actively patrolled fishermen would go out and still fish um trying to target totoaba specifically because there's a lot of pressure from the cartels to go out and catch the fish i mean it's not just a money-making opportunity it's like they threaten people's livelihoods to go catch these fish and so there's a lot of uh high stakes pressure to still go out into this fishing this no fishing zone So basically what has happened now is the new administration um, has removed the fishing zone thing and changed it to this sliding scale enforcement, number of boats allowed, fishing effort allowed type of deal. So basically they're saying they're going to limit the number of boats entering the zone to 60 and punish violations on a sliding scale. But basically the way that the laws have or the regulations have been written locals have interpreted that as there's not going to be any enforcement because it's very of course. vague of course. and um one person who didn't want to be named um just for their own safety said it basically appears that fisheries authorities want to drive the vaquita to extinction because then they don't hear about it anymore yeah i mean yeah and if you've ever spent time in, in the areas around the northern gulf of california you will hear some locals say they're not real or you know my family's been fishing shrimp for five generations and they've never seen one or you know like what's the point even like why don't we just get it over with which i mean to some extent is kind of like a valid point if depending on how you want to look at it i don't agree but i could see how you make that argument and be like there's only 10 anyways who cares they're basically functionally extinct
0: so the thing is, it's not even like, okay. So let's say we've given up on the vaquita now, mm-hmm. but the bycatch is not just vaquita. Like it's sharks right. and turtles. Exactly. And they even say that if they don't stop, it's literally just going to decimate like all of right. the cortez; Like yep. it's going to destroy it all. Yep. Like as, exactly. even from like an ecosystem standpoint to where it just won't function properly and then it'll yep. destroy itself.
1: Exactly. I mean, in the, the long and short of it basically is that we know that, any ecosystem but especially ocean ecosystems thrive in biodiversity so you need the maximum number of species possible to make it function correctly and even though we don't understand how all the parts work like the parts were put there for a reason so it's like you remove one because you don't think it's important and down the line well and
2: then where does it stop where does the mentality stop you know it's 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 just like a rape and pillage of the earth and like I I read this, I think I saw this video on the Vakita It I read something that was like people were going back to the Baiji of like, when the mm-hmm. Baiji went extinct everybody was like, you know, we can't let this happen again. We can't let yep. another cetacean you know, go extinct like this and yep. whatever, 10 years later, not even, I think the byg was ex- officially extinct in 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here we are again with the same issue and everybody wanted to learn from the Baiji's extinction, but here we are again just like throwing it to the dust you know throwing it to the wolves like whatever this little porpoise dolphin goes extinct who cares yeah and i just think it's like it's a mentality that needs to change and like it's not just going to be the vaquita it's going to be the totawaba, which is a critically endangered fish
1: mm-hmm.
2: just, i mean
0: in but in an area like that where they literally you literally watch a no, movie where the people take over the police vessels and yep. like
1: yeah, I yeah. mean, that's that's referenced in these news articles, too, is that, um, you know, it's been a hard battle um, and it's been dangerous to enforce that no fishing zone. Absolutely. I mean, they've been the Sea Shepherd and then the Navy have been overwhelmed by fishermen throwing lead weights at them, Molotov cocktails, like AKs just mobbing at them. them. Yeah. Bringing guns, trying to, you know, damage the vessels. Um, And that, I mean, that's the, the people going after their own military Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in addition to Sea Shepherd. So, um, yeah,
2: it's, it's, it sucks. I, 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 we always talk about like, it's not a culture or like a race thing, but when you track this back, it's like, it goes back to traditional Chinese medicine.
1: Mm-hmm. And, well, and it's a very elite portion of the Chinese population that this is yeah. supporting. This is not your average person average, walking the no. streets of China somewhere that is buying totoaba bladders like
2: Yeah. And and we've we've talked about this in the past just about like you know, we totally respect culture and different people's culture around the world and stuff, but I think it does come to a point where it's like how far can you push the culture card of like mm-hmm. it's not even it's not even even china it's it's any it's any culture it could be anything it's like okay we're gonna continue to destroy the planet because tradition says that this swim bladder holds mm -hmm. some value or this tiger claw or whatever it is holds some value or our family's been doing this for thousands of years and we're going to continue to do it because it's it's tradition like, I, yeah. I understand the point of view there, but at the same time, I can't get behind it because when you look at the bigger picture, it's like modern humans shouldn't be doing this. Like, that shouldn't have its place in today's world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, and it, it maybe it has its place, but we can't have that big of a price tag. I mean, that's when you see just the the greed and the violence come out of things is when you can make thousands and thousands of dollars off one fish. It's like,
2: well, and well and of course sucks you're going to catch like, as
1: many as you can. Like
2: and it, it's, it sucks. Like, you can't really blame the fishermen. Like they have the whole cartel no,
1: yeah, down they're just, breathing
2: down their necks. They're, and they're trying, just to trying to make a living
1: themselves and their family they're and make a trying living, to make a living
2: yeah. and, and support their families. And I, and I completely understand that. So I don't blame the fishermen at all. It's just the, the situation and the point that it's gotten to is just absolutely out of hand and ridiculous. Like,
1: yeah. Slater, and I'm sure we... this is just
2: one small you know, area of the world that yeah. is facing these problems. There's yeah. pangolins and there's tigers and there's everything that is yeah. just forced by that market. I don't know.
1: When we watched Sea of Shadows at the OCO Theater, Slater, did they talk about the fish farm in that one or was that the other Vikita movie I watched?
2: I don't think they
0: talked about that one.
1: Okay, so I think it was probably from Tales of the Vermilion Sea or whatever it is. So there's two films um, that I'd watched like pretty close to the same time. Um, one is like tales of vermilion sea and then the other one sea of shadows one of the films talks about um, the totoaba can actually be aquacultured and I don't fully understand the details as to why it hasn't gained traction but I do know there were a few local families that were putting together an aquaculture effort in attempts to flood the market so that the fish weren't as valuable um, but I'm not sure where they're at with that now, because this is a couple years ago that I heard about this project, and I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if that's the right move. I don't. I don't know how you solve this problem. Really, I mean, especially if you're going to reopen it for fishing.
2: It se- it seems like Mexico is is over it. I think for for a couple of years there, it seemed like they were on the side, you know, devoting the navy to protect the zone. But I mean, after that, it's they're just doing the vaquita at this point. I mean, I
1: think yeah. as a. As a politician, it's hard to continue to deny a lucrative fishing industry access to part of the ocean when you're not seeing major results on the vaquita front. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. they've been hovering Absolutely. at this 10 you know, or less number for many years, which in some regards is like cause for hope, right? Like yeah, there's like, still 10. Right
2: they're still alive exactly <laughs>
1: but at the same time for a politician who doesn't understand how the conservation process works in so much no, yeah. detail I, as a scientist does i could see how you'd be like well if we're just playing the numbers game like this is a waste of my country's money and resources
2: absolutely i i can completely see that i just think there needs to be a worldwide change of mind like like we we view the world in a certain way of of resources, of everything's indefinite, of money, of stature, whatever it is like, and there needs to be a shift to a more holistic point of it. Like when we view the vaquita going extinct because it's gonna fucking happen, as just another G or just it was bound to happen. This who cares about this little this little porpoise like that mentality is going to get us nowhere. Mm -hmm. But like, like you said, like these ecosystems work off of biodiversity and the sooner we realize that not even just in the sea of Cortez and the Northern sea of Cortez as a whole planet and realize our, our role in that, like that's when we'll start to change and we build a future around sustainability and we build a future around fish farms. You know, if you need to, if you need to do a fish to have, um, an aquaculture farm for totoaba that should be the first indication of hey if these people want this demand for this fish then they should get it but it should be aquacultured; you shouldn't be taking it from the wild where it's pillaging the entire ecosystem and so i just really think and it starts in the us here i think a lot of other countries look it up look up to us as the free world or at least they used to i mean things are kind of changing now but yeah. i i think it really starts in the us about us leading that front and i think You know, us all living in California, that's kind of the birthplace of all that, of all those movements, at least in my opinion. I don't know. It's frustrating. We have a perfect story right in front of us. That's not too far north
0: of us in the Pacific Northwest that we still have, well, hopefully still have a good chance of saving the Resident killer whales. And and we still can't even open up the dams. Like, we literally just open up the dams and we'll save the salmon. That saves the the killer whales and we can't like it's it's literally and we can't even do pretty that. close to as simple as that i'm pretty sure well, that's it that's it you point know somewhere. the fish the fish farms you know shutting those down or moving them or whatever they can do to not have it yeah. pouring into the yeah
1: and in in or, uh, bc in canada they're starting to get rid of the fishnet pens and stuff um so that's signs of of progress but yeah i mean it's the same thing it's like southern resident killer whales that's the next one on the list to go if we don't act now i mean are we going to watch vaquitas go extinct and then do the same thing to those killer whales like what's it going to take i, don't I mean, know. we're talking about i don't know the baiji people didn't really know what it was arguably not a very cute animal but vaquitas and killer whales are Vaquita is so cute. How did you are, let that go extinct.
2: <laughs> and killer whales are such an enigm- enigmatic species and, and such a, yeah. a regal thing that it, and especially in US culture we hold to such value. Like yep. it's kind of crazy. I, I I can't see it happening but at the same time like it keeps teetering. It goes down and comes yep. back up and then we yep. do something and then we don't yep. do something and then we we go three steps backwards, two steps forwards. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just so frustrating.
1: So what I would say is if you feel like what like what can I do in regards to the vaquita, I think keep talking about them, um, but also be an informed consumer about where your seafood products come from, especially if they're coming from the Gulf of California, how is it caught? Um, and then if you see an avenue to put pressure on your local politicians or your representatives about um either pressuring the mexican government to do something or to make better use of the colorado river so that the upper gulf of california is getting more outflow like it's supposed to if you live in those areas that is that has control over that you know and you feel like you want to get politically involved do that um yeah be an informed consumer for sure so that we're not continuing to perpetuate a system that's not just endangering vaquitas but all kinds of animals. I mean, th- some of the sea shepherd net recoveries, they had a fin whale rack of baleen in one of those gill nets. So obviously an entire fin whale was in there at one point. Lots of sharks, lots of fish, lots of turtles. Turals, dolphins. Yep. So sorry about the sad stuff. Also, um, World Vaquita Day is usually July 18th. So that just happened not that long ago. And yeah. Vaquitas.
2: Sorry. I'm <laughs> uh, uh, sad.
1: I'm sorry. I told it's, you it was a sad stuff I mean, podcast.
2: I mean, we we realistically have to be real about this, right? Like, like like they're gonna go extinct. And that's the future we have to deal with
1: i mean i guess do you want to be someone that just stood by and watched or do you want to be someone that fought till the end
2: i mean absolutely but i mean i i th- i think that zone was the only thing really protecting them and now mm-hmm. that the restrictions on that have lifted I don't know it, what Sea Shepherd is going to do about that. I don't know what the Mexican government is going to do about that. I don't know if they're going to continue to put the Navy even in that area. To protect
1: no, it. I mean, I think they're going to have like, quote unquote, fisheries enforcement, but I don't know what branch of their regulatory agencies that would be, if that's going to be their environmental police or what. I don't think it's going to be the Navy anymore. So I'm not 100% sure on that, but that would be my assumption
2: maybe i'm just being pessimistic but like that's a that's a tough tough battle
1: yeah and i will say in california there's a pretty good example of a very similar species with gill nets and they had a tremendous recovery and that's harbor porpoise so up until the 1980s near shore drift gill net fisheries were pretty popular in california and harbor porpoise were one of the main marine mammals that died in the nets and Uh, There was a lot of work done in central California to raise awareness about it. And eventually the laws changed and you couldn't fish with gill nets near shore anymore. And the harbor porpoise populations have rebounded really well. I mean, that's part of the success and recovery story of harbor porpoise in San Francisco Bay between the gill nets and that anti-submarine net that used to be under the Golden Gate Bridge.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, remember that? We've talked about that before.
1: Yeah. So it does work. It may take a long time, but it does work.
2: But even even like when you look at a gen, a genetic population rebounding from 10 individuals, like
1: I mean, yeah, we may be talking dude, functionally like, extinct you know, already, but there's three calves.
2: Yeah, well, when was the last time the they
0: did it? That was in
1: 2019.
0: Yeah, 2021. I mean who knows? No one's no one is probably down there doing COVID. And that's
2: the thing, it's just such a hard yeah it's just a hard species to to cite and to get any data on and uh, it's just so disappointing
1: the other thing you could do is find organizations that you think are doing a good job or individuals like um, the artist Mamuko does a lot of species awareness you could support his work um, there's an organization in Puerto Penasco called CEDO CEDO They do a lot of great work in uh, the main vaquita towns in the upper Gulf of California to do species awareness and education. Um, There's other organizations too that you could look up and support as well. American Cetacean Society, um, most chapters have like a vaquita fund, at least they used to. I know Monterey Bay chapter did um, where we would specifically buy education materials to educate people about vaquitas at the events that we did. Um, so if you want to make a donation to something like that and explicitly say this is for your Vaquita efforts or whatever, you definitely can do that as well. So, yeah. Indeed. So that's all the sad stuff I have today. I didn't, put, I didn't put any happy stuff.
0: You know what's happy? Our stuff. You guys can come yeah. watching with us in October and it's going to be freaking incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Smile, Adam, yeah. right now. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I feel like it was necessary, though. We, we needed to. We needed to talk about it for sure. We needed sure. to give him a little air time.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Super cute animal. Super <sighs> sad situation.
0: I know. I wish we could have them in the Monterey Bay. I, I'd trade some of our heart porpoises for a couple of days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also i think there is an episode called sea of shadows maybe that talks more about the vaquita cpr effort that we um recorded a few years ago so if you want to hear more about that specific project um you can listen to that episode because that's when we was fresh off of listening to sea of shadows uh, or watching sea of shadows and that was in large part about the vaquita cpr effort so that was like an attempt to live capture them and potentially breed them in captivity and then reintroduce them to the wild. Unfortunately, vaquitas are not good candidates for that. So that was a last ditch effort that was tried, but it's not a good option. If you're wondering, Oh, let's just breed them in captivity, like the California condor. Nope. Vaquitas aren't into it. So, okay. Well, what's our secret whale of the week? (laughs) It's taquitos
0: of taquitos
1: taquitos vaquita <laughs> marina it's vaquita marina, <laughs> vaquita, marina
0: taquito alina <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know how ah! you said the, last, the last word that slater said but sure
0: you know what
2: My computer screen
0: thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast if you're new here make sure to follow us on instagram or facebook or YouTube. It is Whale Nerds. And thank you so much to all our Patreon subscribers. Um, Honestly, you guys, that support means the world to us. And it's helping us further so many projects that we have in the works. Um, And
2: really fulfilling our dreams.
0: Yeah, California Seasons and these Whale Nerds trips are really just two of the ideas that we have. So
1: more to come
0: for helping us run with it.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you Also, if you could take a minute to subscribe or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it, that would be helpful as well. We appreciate. You got some it. reviews
2: on there on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Somebody reviewed they said us something about Adam's mustache.
1: No. Yeah, they're like they're like that thing is sick. They definitely did not say that. But anyways, <laughs> thanks everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.